You're listening to the Farm Report Podcast with Jake and Corey, brought to you by Indians Baseball Insider and broadcast on the Smoke Signals Podcast Network. We're talking tribe. Good afternoon and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dung, an editor-in-chief for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to another weekly edition of the Farm Report Podcast. And, oh my goodness, we've got so much to talk about this week, uh, from all-stars to international free agent signings. Uh, Francisco Mejia is is still locked in at the plate, and so much to get to. And here joining me back uh, from Syracuse, back in Northeast Ohio after a one-week sabbatical, uh, is my friend and co-host, Corey Christen. Corey, uh, welcome back to Ohio. And uh, uh, as you can tell, it's still pretty hot over here, as I'm sure it was in Syracuse. Oh, my Lord. I've I've been gross the entire week, regardless of location that I'm sitting in. It's, I've been sitting in 90-degree heat seemingly a week straight, but in any route, a change of scenery usually is good, and in this case, it's good to be back home, uh, good to be back in Northeast Ohio around the Indians and around the captains and the scrappers especially, which um, I'm going to be doing some video work for them and some online social production for them, so I'm, I'm excited to get going there, and um, like I said, it's just really good to be home. You know, Home's always a nice place to be, so... Um, uh, thanks to Justin again for filling in for me last week. He did a great job. I listened in to the podcast. And if you haven't checked out uh, Justin Lotta last week with Jake, uh, you should probably do so. I think it would be a good idea. Yeah, we had some uh, great discussion last week, and we're going to have even more discussion hopefully this week. we got so much to discuss. First of all, let's just uh, not uh, waste any more time talking about Francis uh, uh, beating around the bush. Let's talk about Francisco Mejia and him earning International League Batter of the Week, and will will probably fo- be followed by International League uh, Batter of the Month for the month of June. I mean, this past week uh, has just been unbelievable. It's just a continuation of what he's done since uh, that calendar flipped over to June. Uh, over the past week, seven games. Uh, 27 at-bats. How about 16 hits and 27 at-bats? A homer, six doubles, six RBIs. Four walks versus two strikeouts, so he's still getting on base. I think one of those walks was intentional. He is just sizzling hot at the plate. 593 batting average, 1,500-plus OPS, almost 1,600. Uh, There is just no getting around Francisco Mejia right now. He is about as automatic as you can get at the plate, and... uh, He's looking more like the guy we have seen, uh, more like the guy, actually, I would say, who was had the 50-game hit streak a couple years ago. He's, he's looking like that, that hitter and uh, really making up for the lost time he had in April and May when he was really struggling. And uh, it's just uh, it's just a continuation of what he's done his entire career uh, since that two-month stretch where he was uh, really uh, struggling to hit the ball. Uh, uh, well-deserved uh, Player of the Week honors in the in- International League, and uh, I don't see how he wouldn't win uh, Player of the Month or Batter of the Month honors uh, in the league as well. So uh, we'll see uh, if that comes to fruition. But uh, your thoughts on Mejia's uh, ongoing hit streak and how he's uh, continuing to swing the bat well now here into July? Well, I mean, 
I don't know if I should take this for what it's worth or for, or rather with a grain of salt. I'm not sure how I should perceive this tear that Mejia is on because, number one, we've seen this from him before where he goes on this massive cold streak and like we kind of did a few episodes of this podcast ago. I don't want to say we questioned whether he was starting to fall off or decline in any sort of way, but it was more or less us asking what's going on with him. And then here we are now in the first, uh, first week of July and he's turned it on. He's on fire. He's the hottest prospect in baseball at the plate right now. And now we're talking about, well, this is what the Francisco Mejia we know. But is that really the Francisco Mejia that we know? It, or is the Francisco Mejia that we truly know the streaky kind? And that's what I'm kind of starting to think right now because we know the, the makeup. We, we're used to all of it. We've seen it in Cleveland. We've seen it in every level of the system. We've seen a lot of talent out of him. We've seen a lot of progression out of him ever since you know he's been in the system, which has been – quite a while now, and one thing that's pretty much been consistent is that when he does something well, he does it really, really well, and then when he's not really good at something, he really stinks at it, <laughs> and, and I, don't, I don't mean to use um, vague language or any, any sort of harsh language in that, in that matter, but what I'm getting at here is he is very streaky, and I think it was Jeff Ellis that tweeted about this a few days ago about Mejia, and by the way, if you want to revisit some draft recap, I know it was a few episodes ago, but um, with some of these prospects in Mahoning Valley pretty soon, and Nick Sandlin already in Lake County, we're going to talk about him. Check a few episodes back with Jeff Ellis talking about those draft picks, but um, I think it was Jeff that was talking about why not offer Mejia up for trade, because somewhat this is what we're going to be seeing from him is this streaky play. I just want to know what your take is on that too, Jake, because that's just what I've seen from him recently. And of course what he's doing right now is phenomenal, but is he going to be consistent about it for the rest of the season? Well, I don't think he's going to bat close to 600 the rest of the season, if that's what you're asking. No, but uh, he's setting a pretty high bar for himself. I'm not going to say he's not streaky, but I will say that uh, he is the type of hitter where – he is so good at putting the bat to the ball that even if he does go on an extended cold streak, which has does happen and has happened throughout his career, uh, where he has trouble swinging the bat and making contact with the ball, but when he when he figures out what's what's wrong with his swing or his mechanics, once he gets that figured out, it's hard to keep him uh, on on the down low with the with how he swings the bat because he once he figures it out again he gets locked into that groove it's hard to slow him down and that's kind of rhythm he's on right now and as far as him uh, being a possible trade chip I I'm not going to disagree because the Indians have glaring needs that will need to be addressed you know probably need a reliever or two and uh, now with the uh, revelation that Lonnie Chisenhall might be out for a while with another calf injury as of tonight on Tuesday, or on Monday as we record this, uh, they might need another hitter as well. But, uh, you know, I hate to trade Mejia because I think he is the type of hitter that you don't see very often come up through a minor league system. But at the same time, you know, the Indians have bigger needs than uh, bringing another hitter up, especially one 
who's a catcher like Mejia is, and we know that Gomes and Perez aren't going anywhere in Cleveland anytime soon, and Mejia is still a work in progress at in the outfield. So, uh, I don't know, we'll see. I think what we're going to see right now within this uh, next month is how the Indians view Mejia's future long-term. If we see him up in Cleveland, which is a possibility, especially now with Chisholm's injury, that means that they're probably going to view him as a long-term option. But if we don't see him, that probably means that we could see him traded either July or maybe even in August, which is not off the table as we've seen the last couple of years. But, uh, yeah, the Indians have some definite needs, and Mejia would bring a lot, the same way like uh, Clint Frazier would uh, – would bring a lot as well. So uh, there's a and it did and it, he did with uh, Clint Frazier, Justice Sheffield brought the tribe Andrew Miller. I don't know if Mejia would bring another Andrew Miller type of reliever, but there are some guys out there who could uh, fit the bill that uh, Mejia could bring in. Maybe a reliever, maybe another a couple of lesser prospects. Who knows? I don't know exactly how you would frame that package, but knowing how. Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff work. Uh, they would try to get the best deal possible in a trade. And uh, Mejia, they they know what they have in Mejia, and they won't they 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 won't allow themselves to get cheated on that deal if that's the uh, route they choose to take. But uh, for the time being, though, Mejia is just continuing to swing the bat so well in Cleveland, and I think that uh, that as long as he can, or in Columbus rather, and I think as long as he continues to do so. Uh, you know, it's it's gonna be nothing but good for the Indians because either either give them give them uh, no choice but to call him up, force their hand, or uh, it'll give them uh, a higher trade value and, and return package uh, before they decide to deal him. So uh, I think that uh, it's a win-win for the Indians either way. So I kind of looking up the Kelvin Herrera trade. From a few weeks ago, the Royals dealt Kelvin Herrera, obviously um, one of the best relievers in baseball, one of the best um, setup men, closers, however you want to frame him. Um, essentially, dealt him away to the Nationals for a few prospects, and they got a few top ones. Kelvin Gutierrez is now the number seven uh, prospect in their system. I think that was the big headliner there. So, I mean, if the Indians are going to offer up Mejia for a reliever, and I'm just speculating because that's the obvious elephant in the room. Kelvin Herrera had a 1.05 ERA, 14 saves, and then an 11-to-1 strikeout-to-walk rate at the time he was traded. And he netted what is now the number 7 and 14 um, prospects in the world system. So would you consider Kelvin Herrera's trade setting that market and in, and in turn, would Francisco Mejia be offered up as kind of a high-end return for – and I mean, I, I'm not sure how much better numbers you can get than a 105 ERA and 27 appearances um, as a closer, especially in a setup man who kind of fulfilled both roles. I'm just curious on it because I, I think that when you have a Francisco Mejia, and, and like you said, you're completely correct with Antonetti and Chernoff, about how they value prospects, and they know Francisco Mejia is a high-end talent, and they're going to market him like that, which is totally fair. But what's that market going to dictate now that Kelvin Herrera is dealt in, not that floodgates have opened because there's still relievers out there, but now that that's kind of a market value and maybe the price might be set, and who knows if the Indians are willing to pay that. 
Uh, yeah, and as far as uh, the Herrera trade setting the market, I think that's a fair assessment. The only question is, is there another reliever on the level of Herrera that would uh, fetch that kind of price? I mean, you know, there's I'm trying to think of the guys at the top of my head. Uh, they, there's a couple guys in Miami. There's like Brad Hand over in uh, in San Diego. Uh, the Orioles, as you have written before, Corey, have a few guys uh, who could be tantalizing to some teams. Uh, I don't know if any of them are on the level of Herrera, but uh, that could that could be something that sets the market for sure. And uh, I'm, I think that I would like to think that Mejia would would fetch a, a higher net return than. Uh, what the, what the Royals got for Herrera, but uh, but I think that uh, I think that the Indians are in, like I said, in about as good a position with Mejia as they can be. Either, no matter which way they they choose to go, whether it's uh, bringing him up to uh, try to make him part of the team in Cleveland, or to uh, try to get him uh, on the market and dangle him out there for some teams to see what kind of return they can get. I think it's I think it's a good situation for the tribe right now, and uh, I hope I hope that they uh, capitalize it in the best way possible, however they see fit. But yeah, Mejia, I it's just I, every night now I just look at it every single night. Uh, it's two hits, three hits, sometimes even four hits, and. Uh, he had like a what a, a six seven maybe even ten game multi hit streak. I'll pull up his numbers here, but it was it was just incredible the type of tear he was on. Where uh, I don't know what the it's hard to even put into words what kind of uh, stretch he was put together. I mean, in the month of in the month of June, I think he only had like two or something uh, hitless games. I think it, I think it was only two hitless games. The entire month of June, and he had, let's see, a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight uh, multi-hit games uh, between uh, June 23rd and June 30th. Now, he went one for two as a pinch hitter uh, in last night's game on Sunday, um, and then on June 22nd, he went 0 for three, but uh, yeah, even... All that aside, it's still just an incredible uh, stretch that Mejia has been on. And, uh, you know, other than maybe the 50-game hit streak where he was on an incredible stretch. Although I would even challenge that, uh, even though it was a, a more extended streak, that even then Mejia wasn't hitting the ball nearly as well as he is right now. I mean, in the month of June, he, he put together uh, a batting average of 455 in 24 games and... and an OPS of nearly 1,200. I don't know how you can argue with those numbers as far as how locked in he's been and certainly a step up from where he was. And by the way, his, his uh, uh, season batting average is up to 291 and his OP, season OPS is up to 793. Uh, at the end of at, at the end of May, if I can pull up those numbers, uh, at the end of May, his batting, season batting average was 189 and his uh, season OPS, uh, well, they don't have it here, but his season uh, on base percentage was 258, and his season slugging percentage was 293. So that's what uh, about five, a little over 500 OPS on at that point. It's just unbelievable to think of what kind of stretch he's been on to, to improve his numbers that much in what still is kind of a relatively short amount of time. And 
uh, hats off to him for finding whatever was uh, going wrong for him and uh, being able to correct it. And I, at this point, I mean, it, he could easily fall back into another slump, but the, there's nothing the international league can do for him right now. Or f- there's no kind of approach or scouting report or anything seems like right now that they can uh, put together to uh, to uh, work against him. I think it's just uh, throwing and hoping at this point, or otherwise you're just gonna have to walk him. And uh, I think that's happened more often, happening more often than not right now. And it's not uh, this trade talk that I suppose that I instigated. Is it meant to? You know, say that, well, trade him now because his value can't be any higher. In a way, that's not a horrible thought train to take, at least in my perspective. But I guess what I'm getting at here is, is that this streak that he's on right now is pretty much peak Francisco Mejia. When he's on, he's on. And right now it's kind of his time and he's figured it out for the season and he's put it together. I'm just curious to know what this means for the future. If he continues it, I think obviously it makes the conversation interesting for next season. Um, it could even make the conversation interesting for as later as this season, should the Indians want to pursue that route. Um, but if he tails back off a little bit and maybe he cools down, not necessarily to the level that he was down to at the beginning of the season when he was struggling, but if he tapers off and kind of reverts back to some of those characteristics um, I wonder what the Indian thought train will be there. The point is, he's making things very interesting right now um, in a lot of different ways. And it's not to put Eric Haas in the back of our minds as an afterthought, because he's still um, as solid as a catching prospect as we've seen in a while as well. And he's swinging so, the bat well right now, too. Yeah, so the Indians have a really good problem on their hands, in fact, with the catching depth. Um, it just so happens that Mejia is just on another one of these tears right now. It's unbelievable, and uh, we could just go on and on. Kind of, he is getting into that Shane Bieber territory where we could just go on and on talking about him. Uh, it's, it's just uh, you can't say much more than we've already said. Let's, let's just put it that way. But uh, hey, we got more to talk about here uh, other than Francisco Mejia. Even though we could go on and on about him, uh, we got some all stars to uh, go over in the International League and the Eastern League for the. Uh, Clippers and the Rubber Ducks, of course, Mejia and uh, also Brandon Barnes, a veteran outfielder, named the uh, International League All-Stars for Columbus. And then down in Akron, you got five All-Stars, Andrew Kalika, Connor Maribel, Jake Paulson, Willie Castro, and Joe Sever, all being named the Eastern League All-Star team. So uh, very well-deserving on all accounts there. Um, what, what do you say about... Uh, uh, either one of these teams, any of these nods, uh, any anybody who stands out to you in particular? I mean, I think Brandon Barnes is interesting because one of these signings that the Indians picked up, one of the veteran guys that you know may just be looking for another chance or be looking for another place in the majors, is really just shined for Columbus this season. Um, so I'm really surprised to see him. And then looking down at Akron, um, going to their team. Andrew Kalika has been amazing all season. We've talked about him pretty good lengths on this podcast, Um, whether it's hitting or defense or speed or base running. He's got it pretty much can do it all. And then finally, Willie Castro. I feel like we haven't given him a lot of run this season. And I don't know if that's because he's just really darn good. And it's kind of expected now from him. 
He's one of the top handful of prospects, arguably, in the system. I'm just wondering if we're not giving him enough run because of that fact or just because there's been storylines like Bieber and now Francisco Mejia and then Adam Plutko making his debut. I, I think Willie Castro, we forget that he's a legitimate prospect and has a legit future as a major league infielder. Yeah, Castro uh, has been a bit streaky this year for Akron, but I still, on uh, all accounts, one of the uh, top prospects in the organization. And, boy, I, I've seen him swing the bat very well. And he's good. He's got a good uh, approach to all fields. He can put the ball in play very well. Uh, you know, he's still a work in progress at shortstop. Uh, kind of kind of more along the lines of being somebody who, you know, makes the, the uh, out-of-the-ordinary plays and but then struggles on the routine plays. But you can, if you watch him play, you can tell that he's trying to correct that actively, you know, as far as uh, making sure he gets all the fundamentals of his footwork and, and his throwing motion and all that uh, set in stone. So he's working on that. He's swinging the bat well, and I think better as of late. And uh, very nice to see him start to round out a little bit as he works his way into the upper levels of the system. Jake Paulson has been such a nice story this year, uh, coming over from the Reds organization after being released. And, you know, for guys who have to hit minor league free agency, that's probably one of the more disheartening parts of uh, uh, of the game is when guys not only have to hit free agency, but minor league free agency after spending their whole organization and after their whole careers, rather, with one organization. It's got to be kind of a culture shock to them and really an adjustment process trying to, uh, one, find a team that is interested in them and then make, if they do, making that adjustment process afterwards. And uh, Paulson has done that and then some so far this year. Connor Maribel has been a nice resurgent story this year. Andrew Kalika is looking like the guy we saw in Mahoning Valley a couple of years ago and has been really uh, flying under the radar the last few years since he got drafted. And then uh, Joe Sever. I mean, what more can you say about the guy? I mean, he's uh, pro- he's still within the within the spectrum of of prospect status, but you know, just barely on the fringe. But he's still trying to make uh, one last go. But I think he's a six-year gar- guy this year, so he's making uh, he- he's making one last uh, run at uh, at trying to be relevant for the uh, Indians and uh, really putting together a career year. And doing doing good things in Akron, and now, uh, yeah, all these guys. Congrats to all of them. Very well deserving in, in all their own rights. And uh, I, I, as far as guys who I think would stick out most to me, I would say uh, Paulson's a great story. I, I like that Maribel is back in in the uh, conversation as far as him being uh, uh, relevant again as a hitter. He's really put in the work to uh, get his game back on track. Kalika's so good, so uh, I think that I think that Kalika's name is going to be mentioned more in uh, prospect circles with the Indians uh, as time moves forward. So, if I were to pick three guys, I would I would pick those three as far as the most interesting guys because Paulson's the, Paulson and Sever, I guess, too, are the feel good stories, while Maribel and Kalika are, are the more relevant prospect stories. I think Joe Severs one of the top five uh, leaders in the Eastern League in hits too, isn't he? Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, he's batting over right around 300 and uh, put together a really good month of June as well. So uh, 
as, as far as him being a, one of the top hitters in the Eastern League, I mean, he's been in the leagues now. This is a, He's been there parts of four seasons and has been a really good leader for the uh, younger guys coming in. He's embraced that role. We've talked to him about this on multiple occasions. He's, he said he's uh, more than willing to accept his role as a quote-unquote veteran, although that's kind of a relative term in minor league baseball. But uh, he's embraced it. He's willing to... Uh, accept it and uh and run with it and uh he i think that the younger hitters have benefited from it guys like castro Kalika, and maribel guys who are newer to the uh uh double a level i think that having a guy like sever there to kind of show them the ropes and uh and ease their transition process i think is is, is a good thing for them and uh, to be honest i would say that sever might have fut- uh coaching in the future kind of similar to uh justin tool uh, I think that the Indians value him a lot in that capacity and his leadership capacity on and off the field. But for the time being, though, he's still he, – I think he's still relevant as a player. A big congratulations to all the All-Stars, too. But all of them are well-deserving in, in different ways. Um, I want to bring this up real quick. This tweet just came across my timeline. Um, Max Gunn, he's the broadcaster and media relations guy for Lynchburg. Ernie Clement – who just got called up to the Hillcats not too long ago. Um, he's 5-for-5 five five tonight, first Hillcats player to record a five-hit game this season. He's 17-for-39, that's a 435 average, in his first or, yeah, in his first 10 games with the Hillcats. So there's a UVA product kind of going home there, and he's doing well so far. Very Doing very, very well. And I, I actually originally had him in the outline to talk about, but I hadn't seen how he was doing tonight. But, yeah, wow, five hits. I know the Hillcats tonight on uh, Monday, they had a 9 nothing lead already after three innings. So Clement must be setting the table for, for them in that regard. And we know what he's capable of after doing so in uh, Lake County for most of the year. I know I know he had an injury that uh, derailed his season a little bit, but it looks like he's back on track and, man, just making good work of the uh, of the Carolina League in his uh, first bit of action there with the Hillcats. Uh, telling you, make, the Make Contact Cool Again movement is alive and well, and they were actually talking about this, uh, uh, ironically, on the uh, Indians broadcast, not about my hashtag that I'm hoping will sweep the nation soon, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, they were actually talking about this. Matt Underwood and uh, and Rick Manning were talking about how uh, making contact is something that I think more hitters that they think more hitters need to embrace. Making consistent contact uh, should be something that they strive for, rather than you know always trying to hit home runs or uh, or doing or doing whatever they do, uh, trying to hit for power and. Uh, Consistently putting the ball in play, making contact, not swinging and missing so much. I think that that's something that more people and more hitters and people around the game are going to embrace and 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 look at as far as it. Kind of in the same way, like I said before, the uh, the whole launch angle revolution came about uh, a year or two ago. I think that uh, contact rate is gonna is gonna have some kind of resurgence in that in that regard as well. And I think that. Hopefully it happens because I think that that will do the game a lot of good and, and solve a lot of these problems that are happening right now with the, the three true outcome league with uh, the home runs, walks, and strikeouts. He he also has not struck out yet in his first ten games with Lynchburg, so that's yeah. another good good point about it. What am I? That's what am I telling you? I, I, that's uh, Clement is one of the perfect poster child for. Uh, 
or poster children, I guess you would say, for uh, for the the contact movement because he is a guy who just all he does is put the put the ball in play, put the bat on the ball. Uh, Mejia does this a lot too, although he swings and misses a little bit more. But uh, when he's making contact, he does just about does that just about as well as anybody. So uh, I'm telling you, it, it, the, join the movement because I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. And we've been advocating it for how long? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a, probably at least a month or two now. So, uh, anyway. Uh, some are falling through. We'll take it. We'll, some we'll are falling take it. through with we'll it. We'll take it for sure. Uh, we got some other news to talk about. How about uh, this week was the international signing period, the end of the international signing period for uh, uh, Major League Baseball. And this year, the Indians came away with a major windfall. And uh, pe- most people and fans might not know about international free agent signings or how that all works, and that's fine. It's one of the uh, lesser-known elements of the of the game. But, uh, you know, we're about, what, a month removed from the draft, and uh, now now we talk about international free agents and uh, bringing those guys in from places like the Dominican Republic or Venezuela or Japan or Korea, all over the, all over the globe. And the Indians, at least according to Baseball America and some of the other pub- major publications who follow this more closely, uh, the Indians did very well with their signings this year. Uh, we have a few made, a few infielders who are on the top 40 for uh, Baseball America as far as international free agents go. We've got uh, Gabriel Rodriguez out of Venezuela, number eight on Baseball America's list. Uh, in Fielder Junior San Quentin out of the Dominican Republic, uh, number 21 uh, Baseball America prospect. Uh, Angel Martinez out of the Dominican, uh, number 39 uh, international prospect. And they also signed four more players. Uh, Diane Frias out of Colombia, another infielder. Uh, Jesus Lara out of Venezuela, again, another infielder. And then we got a couple outfielders. Luis Ostos out of Venezuela. And uh, Sterling Romero, the Dominican. So uh, seven players signed by the Indians, and uh, the consensus around uh, the baseball world right now is that the Indians did very well, as they have uh, the last few years, I would say, as far as uh, bringing in international players. Uh, fans by now, I would hope, are familiar with the names Aaron Bracco and George Valera, two guys who... Uh, uh, publications like Baseball America were very high on, and both of which are playing pretty well in Arizona right now. Uh, so the Indians, uh, adding to their, adding to their uh, crop of international uh, prospects, uh, with seven more signings today, three of which were in the top 40, as I said, in Baseball America's international prospect ranking. So uh, your thoughts, Corey? Well, I think the big name here is Rodriguez. He's a big kid for being only 16. 6'2", 174, he was listed at. Um, He's listed as a shortstop, so I wonder if that size can move him over to third base as he continues to grow. Um, I mean, he could could develop into some power just with that alone at age 16. Um, So we'll see how that transitions. And then... Um, San Quentin's another one of the big names. He's another shortstop as well. He's, he's another big guy as well. Um, so, I mean, they drafted a lot of raw t- – I mean, not drafted, bad language, signed, excuse me. They signed a bunch of raw talent, um, which when you go after international players like in this manner, that's what you often get. But I think what they have, at least in these three that are mentioned by Baseball America, uh, talking about Rodriguez, Rodriguez, San Quentin, and Martinez – 
uh, numbers 8, 21, and 39, respectively, in, in Baseball America. You find one trait out of these three, and it's it's something that's already pretty much there, or it's set in stone, or it's going to be developed in a pretty high fashion within the next few years as they continue to age into their, you know, 18, 19, and then once they start getting into affiliated ball in a few years. So the Indians found three guys at least out of the seven here, and that's not even beginning to mention the other talent they picked up. Um that just do one thing really well, whether it's, it's size, whether it's strength, whether it's um, the potential to move over into a different position, uh, whether it's the ability to hit line drives, as in the case of Martinez. Um, so, I mean, they they picked a few good ones here, and like you said, they're already the Indians organization is already getting praise for signing these three alone, but the class in general is overall pretty good. Yep, and uh, if you want just, if you want proof positive how well the Indians have done in uh, international signings in recent years. I'll give you one name. Jose Ramirez. End of discussion. Yeah. I think there's a rumor once, I think Jose Ramirez's brother turns 18 soon, or 16 soon, doesn't he? Yeah. So there's a rumor going around that the Indians are scouting him, and I mean rightfully so. So, I mean, we'll see how that pans out. Yep, but uh, yeah, Rodriguez, I've been reading up on him a little bit. All these guys, uh, San Quentin and Martinez, they're the three uh, people of interest uh, in this grouping, but uh, we have Rodriguez, uh, according to the story John wrote on a site which you can check out now. Uh, the biggest thing about him is he has uh, a compact swing and advanced approach, and as you said, six foot two and 174 pounds at 16 years old. You can only wonder what kind of frame he's going to have and once he uh, matures even more. So uh, definitely uh, intriguing uh, with his uh, numbers and definitely intriguing with his body type and what he brings to the table. The scouting people have uh, raved about his abilities at the plate and uh, sounds like with all these guys, you know, they're they're more of a bat first type of prospects, and whereas the defense is more of a work in progress. Uh, San Quentin is more of a raw power guy who swings and misses a lot, but can really uh, drive the ball once he makes uh, makes good contact and gets a hold of them. Uh, it's more of a gamble, but uh, high risk, high reward type. And the Indians certainly know how to develop their infielders with guys like, uh, of course, Lindor and Ramirez. And, uh, you know, you got uh, Yu Chang, you got Willie Castro and Ernie Clement, all these middle infielders they have coming up now. It's just uh, one after the other. So if anybody can figure out how to develop these guys, I think it's the Indians. Uh, Martinez, another 16-year-old, six foot, 165 pounds, another larger uh uh, larger build player, and uh, but he's a guy who is more uh, highly rated for his uh, baseball acumen and IQ and all-around game awareness. He's got good instincts, it sounds like. Good makes good contact, hits a lot of line drives. But uh, there are some scouts, according to this story here, that uh, believe he will move to second base uh, once he reaches the upper levels of the farm system. But of course. Uh, these guys being so young, who knows where the Indians will be by the time they're ready to reach the majors. They might not be with the organization, who knows, but uh, but it's still exciting to see these young players uh, get to work their way, 
worked our way up to the big leagues and worked our way through the minor league system. We were already seeing our first taste of guys from last year, George Valera and Aaron Brocko, so hopefully we'll get to see these new guys probably next season. And we'll uh, follow them as they uh, they continue to move up. But uh, I know I saw that on Twitter they were all at the uh, Indians, uh, all with the Indians at Progressive Field to uh, look over the facilities and then sign their contracts. So that was pretty cool to see as well. Uh, but Indians doing well in the international markets and continue to do so. Uh, so uh, I know that that internationally signed players technically take a little. Li- probably take a little longer to develop than uh, the, the drafted players who come out of high school and college, but believe me, for, for a lot of these guys, it's def- definitely worth the wait. And who knows, you might see the next uh, Jose Ramirez uh, waiting in the wings here among this group. I'm not saying it is going to happen, but uh, you never know, and that's part of the fun of player development. Yeah, and I think what's even more interesting is we see these names and we hear about these names now. And then we'll probably forget about him, honestly, for another year or so until it's time to talk about who's going to make affiliated ball rosters or who's going to move into the Arizona League and start their careers there. Um, but I think the names that they drafted based on scouting alone, um, like we've talked about, obviously the big outlets are out or recognize them. By big outlets, I mean the ones that live, eat, breathe, and you know what this stuff every day. Um, but... I think for what we've heard and what we've seen about at least the three that we talked about, Rodriguez, Rodriguez, San Quentin, and Martinez, I think the Indians got some pretty good ones. So, yeah, we'll see, I guess, in a few years uh, exactly what pans out and what these guys can become. All right. Uh, before we get to our player of the week selection, uh, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, speaking of the draft, uh, this year's second-round pick for the Indians, uh, talking about Nick Sandlin, who made his – Lake County Captain's debut uh, last week, and uh, if you follow our friend uh, and colleague uh, Justin Lada, he did a good piece on uh, Sandlin's debut for uh, Lake County, caught up with him, talked to him a little bit. He also posted some video of him on uh, YouTube and uh, and on Twitter, and his debut for Lake County couldn't have gone better. Uh, one inning, one hit, one strikeout. Uh, he has yet to allow a run uh, this season as, at, in four appearances, the other three being in uh, Arizona. Uh, he's allowed only three hits. He has not walked the batter, and he struck out five over four innings. So uh, Sandlin, as we talked about on draft night uh, with Jeff Ellis, he's the kind of guy who m- could be fast-tracked to the majors based on his, you know, him being a college arm, his uh, funky delivery that creates deception that will probably mow down a lot of uh, lineups uh, between here and the upper levels of the farm system. So we could see him fast-track to the majors either uh, next season or maybe even later this season. Who knows how well he pitches. But uh, good to see Sandlin in Lake County and uh, get our first look at him. Boy, he's really got that funky sidearm delivery. It's, if you haven't checked out that video, it's 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 worth the watch to see him. He's got that nice uh, submarine-style sidearm delivery and got a lot of deception and clearly has some decent stuff to go along with it. Yeah, and at the same time, it's that delivery that hitters just can't figure out. I mean, he was a stud in college this year, uh, 12.5 strikeouts, 1.5 walks. I mean, he just – he just finds ways to get batters out and it's really hard to get contact off of that delivery. So a lot of the thought is like you said, that he could be fast tracked to the bigs and I don't see how that, um, 
couldn't be a possibility even still. So him making his debut in Lake County already speaks some volumes to that as well, you know, rather than him going to the Arizona League for uh, an extended period of time at least, or even for the fact of going to Mahoney Valley where the scrappers are a totally different story and adding a guy like Nick Sandler might have been a little overkill. But, um, yeah, I think it's good that he's he's already where he is considering um, they just drafted him, of course, but he is a college arm. So at age 21, it's not out of the it's not out of the ordinary that we'd see something like this. So I mean, yeah, if he can put a couple solid starts together, if he can come out of the bullpen, and um, however Luke Carlo wants to use him while he's in Lake County, um, if he can put a couple good outings together, who knows what we're going to see from him? And I don't think that projection it's not really a projection, but more of a um, you know here's what could be you know that kind of statement right there. I don't think it's too out of order, out of the ordinary to hear that about him potentially joining the Indians as early as this season. I don't think so either. Cause it's not something that we haven't seen before. I mean, uh, I remember Kyle Crockett. You could have made a case that Kyle Crockett could have pitched the same year he was drafted for the Indians. And, you know, we saw guys like Brandon Finnegan with the Royals a couple years ago. I know that Crockett and uh, Finnegan are guys who aren't pitching well right now and kind of on, on the downside of things. But, uh I, I still say that that shouldn't be a deterrent for the Indians uh, fast-tracking a guy to Cleveland. And uh, there are I think that uh, Stanley could be the co- kind of guy where it could work out just because he has that funky delivery and deception where, you know, even if he does struggle, I think that uh, I, I think that with who they have in Cleveland right now, you know, hopefully Andrew Miller is healthy at some point, and then you have Cody Allen. Who better to learn about relief pitching from in the big leagues than uh, guys like Cody Allen and Andrew Miller? So uh, I think that uh, Sandlin is definitely on track for uh, pitching in the big leagues at some point soon, barring any injuries or anything. Uh, that uh, Any other hurdles that uh, come his way, knock on wood. But uh, – I definitely am excited to see where uh, the future takes him. And uh, so seeing some of these draft picks work their way into the affiliated ball ranks in general and, and all, even Arizona, because I've been following these box scores and seeing how some of these guys have played. There's a lot of guys right now who are already playing uh, in, at these levels, and some of them are playing exceptionally well right now. So it's very nice to see them. Uh, start to uh, get their pro careers off on the right track, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, see more of them soon. And uh, a guy like uh, Sandlin we might even see in Cleveland soon. Who knows? But uh, definitely worth uh, following some of these lower levels of the farm system right now to see some of these new uh, these new names uh, work their way into the mix. But uh, tell you what, Corey, it's uh, that time of the night now where we get to our uh, player of the week uh, for this weekend. Boy, let's just not uh, let's just not even keep any suspense going here. It's Francisco Mejia, uh, who had, of course, as I mentioned before, over the seven games he played, 16 hits and 27 at-bats, batted 593, a 1571 OPS, uh, homer, six doubles, six RBIs, uh, four walks versus two strikeouts. There's just nothing that he's not hitting right now. And uh, I think this might be like his third time being named Player of the Week uh, for us. Uh, I know that might seem like a cop-out to pick him for Player of the Week, but, hey, the International League recognized him as so, so why why shouldn't we? And, uh, you know, we'll review our picks in a second here, but, Corey, just uh, final thoughts on Mejia here uh, being named Player of the Week for us as well as the International League Player of the Week and how well he's been hitting. Well, didn't you pick him 
the week before as your player of the week pick? Weren't you a week off there? Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> I, knew, I I thought you had him this week, so I got kind of worried when I checked the standings. But how'd my ghost pick do? That's what I want to know. Well, we'll we'll check we'll <laughs> check out those picks in a second here. But yeah, congrats to Mejia on uh, being named a uh, player of the week for Farmport this week. Uh, I think he may be our first uh, three-time player of the week recipient since we started this uh, last year. Um, I think maybe the only. Th- time I could ever think of it happening before was maybe Mitch Longo a couple weeks uh, a couple weeks uh, out of the year last year, but uh, I don't think he even won three-time player of the week on earth, so uh, congrats to Mejia for that. Um, as far as our picks from last week go, and your ghost pick, uh, I had Tyler Freeman, of course, and then there was also uh, your ghost pick of Xing Chang, and then Justin, who made a guest pick. Uh, so you made a ghost pick, Justin made a guest pick, and uh, we had Bobby Bradley for Justin last week, bat 308 with four homers, uh, two doubles, and ten RBIs. Uh, we had Xing Chang last week, bat, uh, or had a, a 284 ERA in his one outing, gave up two earned runs on five hits, six and a third innings. Uh, two walks, four strikeouts, solid outing for him. And then Tyler Freeman batted 423 with uh, uh, only one double, but three RBIs, 885 OPS in six games. So uh, very, very good uh, uh, week for him. We all did pretty well, but I think I got to give it to Justin this week for Bobby Bradley uh, and his four homers, 10 RBIs, two doubles. Bradley, uh, Really swinging it well right now, as far especially with his power stroke right now. Uh, he's starting to uh, rack up those home runs pretty well, and uh, well on pace for 20, maybe even 30 homers this year. So uh, I think uh, Justin, man, how about him coming in as the guest and uh, and besting us both with his player of the week pick? Well, that's great for him. That that's like that's an honor. That's a steamed honor. No, I'm just making a joke. Um, <laughs> I think Bobby Bradley turning it on this week is pretty encouraging because it seemed like he was kind of pitted down in Akron at the beginning of the season, almost by default. Um, even though there was that school of thought, and we've talked about it before, about how he might have those contact issues to work on, maybe some strikeout and walk issues. And now that um, he's put a, he's put a good week together, he's he's back on his I don't want to say typical pace, but He's going back to form. He's back to doing Bobby Bradley-like stuff. So congrats to Justin for coming in here and just right off the fly making that pick. That's impressive, and uh, I just hope I don't lose my job over it anytime soon. <laughs> uh, Corey, I, I didn't want to mention it, but I, there was something I want to talk to you off the air here. <laughs> uh, great. Well, nice knowing y'all. <laughs> no, congrats to Justin on his uh uh, player of the week pick this week as a definitely a good one and nice to see Bradley start to swing the bat well as you said and find his power stroke. Hopefully that continues uh, through the rest of the year. But uh, all right, Corey, uh, before we give our final thoughts, so you got a pick for next week? Um, yeah, I do because we talked about him earlier and I don't want to call this cheating, but I'll pick Ernie Clement because he's been on fire lately since he's been called up to Lynchburg. That's I. You can't go wrong there. I won't. I won't disagree with you. Um, you know what? I think I'm. 
because I was a week off last week, I think I'm just going to go back to Francisco Mejia. What what more uh, couldn't he do right now that, uh, I mean, even though the calendar slipped to July, I think that there's nothing that is going to slow him down right now. So I think I'm going to stick with Mejia. Those are both powerhouse picks, like bar none. Boy, the both both of them are swinging the bat so well right now. This could be this could go down to the wire this week. It could come down to quite literally one game. It could. <laughs> it could. Who knows? Should we call Justin and see if he makes his pick? See, what um, can, see if he can make his pick this week. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. I think since he did win Player of the Week last week, maybe we'll just text him or have him tweet it out, and then yeah. we'll share it. We'll share it next week. We'll see what we'll see what we can come up with. We'll see. Uh, anyway, but uh, congrats to Mejia again. Uh, swinging the bat so well. Uh, what more is there to say? Uh, final thoughts, though, Corey. Uh, what do you got for this week? I do have a final thought. I want to give a birthday shout-out. My dad turns 56 years young tomorrow, July 3rd. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to go to work, and then we're going to go out and celebrate dinner and stuff. My dad's pretty much the reason why I got into baseball and into sports in the first place, of course. So um, big birthday shout-out to, to Dave C., big 5-6 tomorrow. Oh, big birthday shout-out indeed. Uh, yeah, so uh, big birthday shout-out. My final thought this week, um, I think it's going to have to be about the uh, the upcoming trade season. I think I might have mentioned this before, but uh, as we get into trade season, you know, it's it's easy for us to get attached to these prospects, but we got to trust that uh, uh, the front office is out there to make the best moves possible for the team. And while it may sting to part with some of these guys – uh, that we have formed some sort of bond with uh, as writers who follow the minor leagues clo- pretty closely. Uh, we still have to remember that it's a business, and and that uh, you know, the, and, and at the end of the day, it's about one wanting to win a World Series, and that's of course what the Indians are trying to do this year. So uh, if it comes to be that the Indians are going to deal somebody like uh, Francisco Mejia, then uh, we have to understand that it's in the best interest of the big league club. And uh, hopefully that they are able to get a good return for him. So uh, just bear that in mind when we head into this trade season. And, uh, you know, uh, we want to see the Indians continue to hold on to their their draft stock and prospect stock. Uh, But at the same time, you know, they've, They've developed these players before, and uh, we got at a certain point there is a time where you have to trust that they can still continue to find and develop these players uh, in the future, and uh, still try to find a way to uh, win in the big league for the big league club. Find a way to win, bring in reinforcements. So uh, we'll see what happens this trade season, but uh, we'll be following it here on IBI as the as it moves ahead and. Uh, Boy, it's hard to believe we're less than a month away from the trade deadline. Can you believe that? I can't because I remember yesterday I was just buried in five feet of snow in Syracuse, New York. So to answer your question, no. I do have an extension to a final thought, though, if you will allow me real quick. Sure. Um, John Hammond makes this point on Twitter in lieu of LeBron James going to L.A., taking $153.3 million in total on a contract. Here's a friendly reminder that Jacoby Ellsbury's total contract is also $153 million. So, children, if you're choosing between baseball and basketball, pick baseball. Yeah, and uh, 
the game, definitely the game is doing very well financially. So, uh, <laughs> Jacoby Ellsbury, wow. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's even seen, uh, set foot on a diamond this year. Uh, so, uh, yeah, wow. That, that, that puts it, definitely puts it into this perspective. So, uh, yeah, pick up a baseball rather than a, ba- uh, than a basketball or football, kids, if you really want to make, make money. And if you want to have longevity, definitely baseball is the way to go for, uh, for longevity's sake. Uh, uh, good, good stuff for, uh, the show tonight, Corey. Glad to have you back on the show, uh, this week. Uh, thanks again to Justin last week for filling in, but, uh, it's good to have the, uh, the, the dynamic duo back together, if I may. Uh, but uh, as far as uh, anything you have to plug, I mean, I know, Corey, you're starting up with the Scrappers, but uh, and I know that uh, you're going to be busy, but you're definitely going to be busy more on the baseball side of things now, as I imagine, right? Yeah, and it's going to be an interesting summer because not only am I going to be doing stuff for the site, obviously, but um, I'll be doing a lot of social and video work for the Mahoney Valley Scrappers, so... A lot of, I don't want to say a lot of, but some of what you see on MVScrappers.com and um, the MV, the Mahoney Valley Scrappers Twitter account and their Instagram account is going to be somewhat a, a result of me. So um, if you're ever so inclined to follow the Scrappers social media accounts, please give a follow um, because I'm going to be helping pumping out stuff for them as well as, of course, uh, the site along with these podcasts. Now that I'm back in Ohio, it's going to be a lot easier to get stuff going and, um, you know, talk to players or get, get inside the locker room, whatever it may be. So it's good. It really is. It's good to be home for a little bit and, um, it'll be a good summer. I'm looking forward to it. Sounds good. Uh, looking forward to that as well. And, uh, as far as me, uh, I'm actually going to uh, be a little bit lighter on the content this week. There will not be a Four Thoughts column this week due to the holiday, so please enjoy. Have a safe uh, Fourth of July from all of us here at IBI, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week, uh, probably talking more uh, trade stuff as the buzz picks up, but, uh, you know, there's so much more baseball to discuss, uh, in minor league baseball, even though the season's over half over, which is also hard to believe, but, uh, so much more to discuss down the stretch here uh, on the prospect side as well as the big league side. So we'll be sure to have all that coverage for you here at the site. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Corey's at CDs. Kristen, you have uh, the site account at under, at uh, official underscore IBI. You have the Smoke Signals account at uh, Smoke Signals IBI. You get all our links, all of our discussion, and all of our stories there. Uh, you can also tweet at us uh, directly, as I said before. Uh, we're always up for some baseball talk and questions. Uh, you can get best way to get a hold of us is uh, through that. Uh, and then be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, leave a nice rating and spread the word. That is all we ask. So until next time, uh, for Corey Christen and the Farm Report Podcast, I'm Jake Duncan, and we say to you, have a good one. Happy 4th of July. Happy birthday, Dad. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.